0: dare it, do it live the life you want where this is the podcast where we talk about living the life we want we're talking about let's be selfish no <laughs> just kidding people uh <laughs> my name is jasmine i'm your host and um today i have carol heaney with me hi carol
1: hi jasmine
0: lovely so- to be here Yeah, me too. I'm happy to have you. So people, if you're wondering who Carol is, um, this is how we met. We met during this thing that we do on Saturdays where we chat, uh, we sing. Um, We're like this group, it's called Song Share. It was created by Gary Stein. So if you guys have listened to the Gary Stein podcast, you know what Song Share is. Basically, Carol is in Song Share with me and that's how we met and one day we're in song share she's singing i'm singing and then i get this thing that says maybe i should ask carol to be in the podcast why (laughs) i have no idea at this point i'm just listening to what comes up for me and um And then I invite her to have a chat and then we start chatting. And then I realized exactly why I wanted her to be on the podcast. (laughs) And so Carol has a beautiful story about living the life she wants. And Carol, I was wondering if you could share just a little bit about, you know, that story you told me where you were doing something in your life and then one morning you said, this doesn't feed me, and you went boom.
1: Ah, uh, Yes, I remember that moment. I still have a perfect visual of it. My uh, dearest friend, Kate and I, every year uh, would go, prior to COVID, would go for a retreat weekend and just to relax and um, chill. And it was during that time, it was in May and we were in the Catskills. And I remember sitting out by the pool and saying, I think it's time for a change. And she says, okay, what now? <laughs> so I explained to her, you know, there is this something inside of me that's not being fed. And that, that energy that I would wanna be getting from what I'm spending so many hours a day, a week doing should be able to keep my cup full in a, in a way that I would think would uh, serve me in a healing way. And it wasn't. And I was working for hospice at the time and it wasn't the hospice because the mission of that organization was very dear to my heart, but I was an administrator so I wasn't I wasn't close to the actual hands on component of it and so I decided then I we needed to make a change and I I laid it all out unlike me. I laid it all out in a spread, an Excel spreadsheet. <clears throat> I did it in pencil first, and then I put it in the computer, and I took it home to my husband after our weekend. I said, I have an idea. And he went, oh, God, get out your wallet. And so I said, no, I think you're going to love this. And I explained, I think it's time for us to downsize. I think it's time for us to be able to live on the means that we have so worked so hard to to put into our life. And um, I'm just not satisfied with how I wake up every morning. It's dragging me down. And he knew that already, right? And so he said, I love it. And so I said, well, let's call a realtor. And we called a realtor that next day. She came out did a whole val and assessment, whatever they do, put it on the market and it sold in two days. So the universe said it was time and I'm a little stubborn sometimes. So it finally got to the point where I said, yes, it is. And then the universe just kept telling me, yes, over and over, over and over.
0: It's time. It's so funny because, you know, um, friends who know me, Um, know that I, that's what I say, you know, like I I say, the universe has your back, you know, when, when you're, when it's time, it's going to happen. If you're in that right energy, it's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. if it's not happening, you're just not in the right energy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, and so like, I I really believe, you know, like you're like, okay, this is it. I'm doing it. Like I have chills just (laughs) talking about it because (laughs) like, I remember a story for me, so I'm going to tell you a, a bit of a story. When I was in my 20s, I, I had a boyfriend and we broke up and we, we loved animals. And we had, at the time, we had two dogs, a cat and a rat. <laughs> when I left, I brought the cat and I brought the rat, but I left the dogs. Um, but the dogs were my babies and they were his babies. And we were doing like the the weekend thing, so he had them during the week, and then on the weekends he'd bring them to me. Like we did this for a long time, you know. It was like, but then he got a new girlfriend, and the new girlfriend had a boy, and the dogs were not used to animals, so one of the dogs had snapped the baby, and he was like, not keeping it." it right,
1: right, right. And
0: I was living, I went back to live with my parents so and my parents already had 3 dogs. So like me bringing in my two dogs was like out of the question, right? So I I was crying because I was like, "Oh my god, we're going to have to put them down." So I was like in my mind the only solution was we're going to have to put them down. And um and so when came when the weekend came You know, where it was my turn, he was bringing me the dogs at work. And I remember bawling, like, I remember I was like, I'm going to tell him that he can go bring them to the vets. And I remember, like, I was bawling the whole week. And then he came to the office and then I saw the dogs in the car who were like freaking out, so happy to see me. And I said, I can't do it. I just couldn't do it. I said, tie the dogs to the tree. I'll, I'll handle it. And then I went back into the office and I was bawling and crying and doing all of this thing. And I had a conversation with a client, like I was at work and I was answering the phones. So the phone rang and I answered the phone and um, I'm bawling. And it so happens that, you know, I, I get, I make friends with my clients. They're not just like, I don't have this, <laughs> this air You know, I'm totally transparent, basically. So I'm like bawling and my client's like, what's going on? So I tell her the story and she's like, you know, because he was gone for two weeks on vacation. And he said, after the two weeks, I'm not taking him again. My mother was like, you're not bringing the dogs more than two weeks. You're not taking the dogs. And she was like, Jasmine, you have no idea what can happen in two weeks. And in that moment, I didn't, you know, I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. Hmm. But for me, it was just not possible. Well, within that two week period, I needed a raise. I couldn't go on an apartment at the salary that I had. I couldn't go on an apartment. I was making like 15 grand a year. I mean, nobody was (laughs) back then, you know, anyways, so I needed a raise. So I got a raise in those two weeks. I got a raise and I found an apartment. Wow. And, you know, in my mind, it was like, nobody's going to accept my two dogs in an apartment. And then when I found the apartment, I told the guy I'm coming in, but I have two dogs. I want you to put it on the lease that I'm allowed to have my two dogs. And anyways, like in two weeks, it got all wrapped up in a nice little bowl. And I had my dogs, my cat, my rat.
1: Wow. That sounds like a children's story to me. Yeah. A (laughs) a cat and my rat. That's perfect. (laughs) That's a great story, right? Because it, it reinforces for us all the time. And always, it's so funny for me because sometimes it's hindsight that teaches me. It's not the in the moment. Yeah. And I've been teaching myself learning over time to be more in that moment of receiving and knowing I'm receiving rather than questioning that. But that took a long time. I mean, as a clinician, you're you're trained to make uh, objective observations, et cetera, et cetera. You use the facts only. So. You have this veil around you that really doesn't let through those other subtle, intuitive things. And I've been learning more and more about over time. I'm. It's been many, many years since I started that process, and um, I still get tricked up every now and again. But for the most part, I I take it as a sign. It's the sign of. The next step in my healing, whatever that needs to be, right? Yeah. And I know that the, that I am, I am supported and surrounded by, um, you know, my ancestors in so many ways that want the best for me. And so I have to trust that they're leading, help leading me. And I I ask for that in prayer, you know, guide me and um, towards my greatest healing, so I can, my may my healing be of service to others. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Actually, that's one thing that that's the next question I wanted to ask you. So you're really about healing. Like if I look at your, your website and everybody, we're going to put all the details in the description of the episode, but you're, you're really, you're focusing on healing. Yes. Yes.
1: And I think because I'll just talk to you a little bit about the paradigm shift that I experienced years ago. And it was after the death of my husband, and I was grieving his loss very. And but when he was um, sick, but prior to his death, and he was given the, you know, diagnosis of a metastatic uh, cancer that had already spread. There was no surgery, chemotherapy, or radiation available to him. Um, I didn't have any experience with alternative or complementary therapies at all. But it was the direction we were taking to support whatever the healing that whatever he needed at that time for all of us actually. And it was all new to me because I'm the clinician who was looking at all of the clinical trials and all of the other things that maybe would work. But in truth, the decision was his. And so as he made that decision, it was with the knowing that, and he had, was more intuitive about it than I was. It was with the knowing that that was not the right path. So that began the shift for me in what I viewed and defined healing to be. And so very often, um, we and while we would all want the cure, don't get me wrong, I know that. And th- our our conventional medicine system, you know, if I'm in a tra- a plane crash, a train crash, or a car crash get me to the ER, those folks are stellar at what they do, and they will save, they can give you what you need to save your life. The other aspect of healing, however, is what happens within the body, the mind, and the spirit when they come together, and I noticed for that time that there were so many things there were so many things coming at me that were so foreign to me at the time. This was in 1994 and 1995, you know, I didn't know about Carolyn Mace. I didn't know about Larry Dossie. I didn't know about all of those folks who were focusing on other aspects of healing from an energetic perspective, as well as from an intuitive what's within you, what's within your body and your ability to heal thyself. And the, the shift that I made was that we can be cured, but not be whole, but you can die and be healed and whole. And that was profound for me. Mm. And that's when I started to seek my certificate in holistic nursing and all of the, the other things that led me to realize that there is a whole nother aspect of healing that I just was not tuned into. And that shifted for me really. And that idea that, um, that healing thyself means using our wisdom and intuition to know where to pay attention. It doesn't always know necessarily what plant to eat but it does definitely give us um, uh, an intuition about ourselves and what we're what we're needing to fold into our spiritual being, as well as our uh, emotional beings, um, where those pain bodies are, how we work with those, what we do with that. Um, and so that shifted it for me. That was the biggest shift, I think, in my career of forty plus years now of um, nursing.
0: Yeah, and what's really interesting, also with you, like that's why, like when, when, like I told you at the beginning, I was like, why did I invite her? I got it now. You're also <laughs> an author.
1: Oh yes, yes. So that very new, very new for me. Yeah. Again, exploring another area that I was totally ignorant about. Um, Love reading, but never thought about authoring. But in that experience with my late husband Tom, um, he, um, he gave me this peace at the end of his life that was profound, but I didn't understand it for a long time. And of course, in grief, we are in dark places. We are um, experiencing how how do we bring loss into our lives? It's sort of like something's been taken away, but how do you bring in that loss to make your life full? um and my experience was uh, actually through mother nature she gave me the gift of a cardinal and that cardinal just was so instrumental in getting my head out from under the covers and getting me to pay attention and getting me to see that this was part of life and so when i shared that experience with a dear friend mentor judy who was um, a prolific author because she wrote all the textbooks on advanced practice nursing. And um, she said, you need to put that into a children's story. And that was 26 years ago. And I just sort of said, oh sure, no problem. And I just tucked it away. I didn't throw it away, I just tucked it away. I hid it behind there. And then over and over things kept coming up that said, you need to do this and I would push it away. And then I was diagnosed with cancer in 2008. And I thought, you know, I gotta get this story on paper because I need this for my children to have put it on paper and put it in the computer and said, somebody will find it. So then over time, I realized I had grandchildren now. It wasn't just my children. And then I thought, this is the time for me to put this on paper and do something with it, learn what I need to do and then do it. And so I did. And so this year, I uh, in October, it, my book came out, The Cardinal's Gift, A True Story of Finding Hope in Grief. And it's about, I wrote the story from my experience, but in um, the experience of a nine-year-old girl, because I wanted children and adults to be able to have conversations about what it feels like to grieve. and that there's hope in that too. And mm-hmm. of course, in the story, the Cardinal comes to the little girl and she resists it like I resisted it, of course, but then she, she children are so transparent in that way. They, they don't have all of the filters built in yet to keep them from paying attention to what might possibly be happening. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, and I've gotten really, really good feedback um, from kids. And I involved my grandchildren in the writing of the story and helping me with one of my granddaughter, did Mia, she did the illustration. She did the modeling for the illustrator. And my grandsons were great at looking at the things and saying, oh, no, put this here, or put this there, or have her put a shadow here. They were so sweet in it, but they got it. They were six and older and they got it. They understood it. They did not know the full story. And yeah. so, Yeah. So thank you for bringing up that, that, that happened for me. And it was, it was a wonderful experience to, to, and, and I've now become really interested in writing content for children that can promote healing. And it just has nicely dovetailed with my mission over the last, you know, uh, 20 some years to shift the paradigm on healing and geez, if we can influence the healing at a young age, then, um, I wouldn't need the clients that I work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would be self-healing and um, know that, have the tools and be able to identify the emotion and what's happening and not let them uh, not get bogged down with what it means. Um, mm. Instead, just identifying, interpreting. Yes, I'm sad, but I was just outside playing with my friends and I was happy. I can be sad and happy too yeah they coexist
0: right yeah and you know that's what that's what it is being human the fact is is we feel so and then we don't have to like it's so funny like I have times there were times where I I remember because I've been working with you know I've been working from the inside out for a long time Mm -hmm. um and I remember times where I was angry with people you know and I was like, and, and my, my automatic way of being would be, okay, well, if I'm angry with you, that's it, you're done. And then I would just take them away, take them out of my life, out, right? mm-hmm. uh, you know, out the map. And then, and then I remember times where they would pop up in my life again. And I'd be like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm angry with them. Oh yeah. I'm angry. Yeah. Wait why am I angry with them again? (laughs) Like I would literally forget that really, that realization brought me into, you know, deeper into understanding that, okay, this, this is just all made up really. (laughs) Like we make shit up. That's what we do. And then we believe it and then we hold on to it. And, but if we, if time passes, time passes and, and it disappears, It goes away unless you maintain it and you hold on to it Mm -hmm. and the fact that I had taken away I don't even like even to this day I don't remember (laughs) you know what they were but now I'm just kind of like I don't need to hold grudges I I don't I it just first of all it it required an effort for me (laughs) It takes your energy away. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to have energy. I like to be happy. I like to enjoy my moment. I, you know, I like to have fun and smile and, and love. And I, this is what makes, brings me alive. Right. But then when I'd have to hold on to a grudge, then I have to be.
1: Right. That requires effort. And in fact, the irony of that is those emotions coming up are trying to teach us something we are responsible for our own pain when we can't, when we won't address it. If we have take the time to really examine what does this mean? Why is this coming up for me? It's a reflection about something I need to take care of or take time with rather than the other person. And then, because mm-hmm. my reaction to whatever yeah. that was is what created that block in energy. And that for me has been profound. And I do believe very strongly that as we begin to examine those things within ourselves, and you start, I do a lot of soul collage work. I, I teach soul collage, but I also do my own. Um, you, you, you don't even realize that it's there. And, and then the soul collage work, it comes out. It's just sort of like, whoa, I had no idea that was happening. I had no idea that where that came from. And that's the beauty of it. It's tapping into The intuition about who we really are
0: yeah the misunderstanding the misunderstanding is we think the emotion is coming from a third party Mm. right Mm. but it's it's not it's coming from within you're the one generating it and you know i see this over and over and over again like i i love to watch to watch um Documentaries. And you know, like I'm 52 now. And I remember when I was in my 30s thinking, oh, these people listening to documentaries, that's so boring. That's all I listen to right now. Yeah. yeah. Documentaries. And ironically enough, I listen to reality TV. But really? what I love about it is I I I really see the creation of the emotion and how it's directed out there instead mm-hmm. of seeing that it's coming from inside. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
1: I, I understand that I can you can as you watch and you pay attention to a dynamic that's happening and there's energy being exchanged in words, in body language and so forth. I think I that's why I said to you about my my uh, struggle with the term survivor that has an energy for me that's not yeah. it, it doesn't resonate. But in truth, when we start to be examine our own selves, the real question for me has become now Where in your heart is this coming from? Because if you are truly coming from a place of love in all that you do, what, what's coming up now, what's interfering with that energy, that love energy and the energy from the perspective. What I mean by that is, of course, we're not talking about what people commonly think is romantic. I can have as much love for the person standing in front of me in the, uh, grocery line as I can for others that are in my life because it's coming from a place of z- no judgment it's coming from a place of being truly open to everything is possible anything is possible. So when that person's cutting you off at the on the highway and you want to scream and holler you just say you know send them your love say a prayer they're safe and keep your distance right? we don't have to always be reacting out of that filter that's everything goes through in our thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I I totally get it. Like the the feeling is coming from us. It's not coming from the yeah. other person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the other person cut you off and maybe you had the thought, "Oh, how disrespectful." And then you've got the disrespect, disrespectful thought, and that generates a feeling inside of you. When the fact of the matter is, this person may not have cut you, may not have even seen you. He would just slide it into the spot. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't even know you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: After I really that see happens.
0: it's so funny because I was listening to uh, Deepak Chopra the other day and. Uh, I love to listen to him. You know, he does these 21 day um, uh, programs, yeah, just meditation just, programs. Yeah. And, and he it's really like, I it just boggles my mind how he speaks for three minutes and you're like, oh, you know, after he spoke, but he said this thing where, you know, when you look and I made up when I look at my dog, Uh, when you look at something and you have this feeling of love that shows up for you, the feeling is yours. It's not because of the person you're the one who's welded up inside of you. It, it's totally yours and you can bring it up anytime you want. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the other person. And that for me was mind blowing because Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen, I always associated it with, oh, well, my, I think of my mother and it's my mother that, that is love. And I think about my father and it's my father. That's a pain in the ass, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. didn't never realize that. No, I, when I see dad, I think he's a pain in the ass and I create that. Mm -hmm. And seeing that has transformed you know, how I relate to my father and I enjoy his company now and I can hang out with him and I can yeah. do stuff for him as opposed to before, because he was a pain in the ass. I wasn't going to do anything. You're not nice. So I'm not going to do anything for you. That was yeah, just like, it doesn't, no, I want to do something for you because that's
1: right. You know? Yeah. It doesn't mean you become a doormat because yeah. you Come from a place of love. It yes. means that even within that, the fact that you are um, uh, loving yourself says this situation requires some boundary or some protection or something that is telling me we we have to go in another direction. But it doesn't. Ha- it can be my moving away from it rather than diving further into it and letting my emotions get a hold of me. Um, But yeah, that doesn't mean that we should be tolerating behavior that is hurtful, damaging or injurious to self, right? So I think it is always with, it's not that you have to process, you begin to intuit it. It doesn't have to be thought about in your brain or in in detail. You just are intuiting it and it becomes a natural response rather than feeling so laborious, like you're putting so much energy into it. So once you accept your father and who he is for who he is, and it's not about you, him, him, it's about you, then you have the ability to let something flow. And uh, it allows for parts of that to happen, maybe not in a in the way that you might have expected. And, you know, honestly, the whole idea of expectations can really be damaging to us, right? When we have expectations of others, we then reap either a benefit or, or, or um, something that's a negative. So the real challenge is, why do we have that expectation again? What is that expectation about? And I think when, and especially in relationships, that is the key, right? How do you uh, move away from the expectation part and just be in what that moment is right now, paying attention, listening, and intuitively responding? And so that takes practice, a lot of practice, especially with family, especially. Yeah, with family. It
0: takes, uh, like, I, I, I agree, it takes practice, but it also takes seeing it. Like, I think that once you see it, then you can practice it. But first you have to see it. If you don't see it, if you're listening to these words, whoever is listening, <laughs> you know, if you're listening to these words, and you're trying to put steps into practice, I think that's not really the case. It's like, are you seeing it for yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that it's coming from you? Because once you see that it, everything actually occurs inside you, your experience of life is your experience of life.
1: Mm-hmm. So and I think you, the seeing is energetic yeah right that seeing is is a term we think about as visual but it's yeah energetic sense that we get that helps us sort of say aha that's what that is yeah how that works like
0: oprah the uh, ah moment like Uh oh yeah i forgot
1: about that. yeah yeah Yeah.
0: It's, it's an in seeing it's a it's seeing inside of you like if if Like I I love the example of you know the the trip, you know, going on a trip. Yeah. Right. So you've got two tickets in your in your desk and you're leaving on Friday and you're like super excited because you're going on that trip, right? Well, you're not there. Mm. But you're excited as if you were there. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you're there and you're leaving in an hour, and now all of a sudden you're all bummed because you're leaving. But yet you still have both feet in the sand
1: yeah 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 you know? interesting so where
0: is that coming from like like if you if we can just get used to navigating that
1: mm-hmm. life mm-hmm.
0: becomes so much easier
1: one I, um one of the things that helps me is when i'm starting to sense this dis-ease within my solar plexus usually um you know, you walk outside and it's 105 degrees and you want, and you know, one tendency would be to say, oh my God, it's so hot out here. Oh, I can't do anything in this heat. Another option is it's hot. Okay, I need to do this, this, and this. I keep moving on. I observe the fact, I observed that this is the case. There's a fact, it's hot, but I don't tie it to an emotion that drags me down. So there's this observation part and then intuiting, well, that's real. Does that change anything for us? Mm-hmm. Right? So what's it's my meaning? Expect- right, right. What's it's my expectation here? Yeah, exactly. And so then you have, you get practicing that and that like that is so. Um, a moment the other day I was going through, um, I was trying to find something for, um, another project and I was going through all the materials of, um, from my late husband's, uh, funeral. And there were so many things, precious things in this box that I hadn't been in a long time. And as I'm going through it, I'm, I'm, I can, it's making me sad. Of course, I'm tearing up and I'm thinking to myself, this was so beautiful. I could focus on how awful, but I also, it was a fact that, that this has happened, but the result was seeing with new eyes, what was inside of this box was such a gift. And I just thought, wow, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get in this box. And then I said to myself, uh, no, it was the perfect time to get into this box and to discover the beauty and the gifts in all of it
0: yeah. that I
1: couldn't appreciate before. So that really told me again, once again, expectations, what do we, w- yes, it's happening, something's happening, I'm sad, I realize, but that at the same time, there was another message in there that I would have missed if I got hooked on just the sadness.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So I love that idea of what hooks us and how, why we get hooked. um, But instead, just making an observation about what's happening
0: keeps. Yeah. We can be sad without having a heavy feeling. Like I, you know, when I think of my mom passing away, yeah, I'm sad. You know, I I wish she were here. Yes. But it doesn't weigh on me. Um, Yeah. mm -hmm like it used to I actually I don't think it ever did uh, because I was really at peace with with my mother's end of life like I was really um, I was proud of how we handled it and I was proud of how it ended and and I was proud that she didn't look like she was suffering at all she just fell asleep and you know so there was no heaviness on there So I, I see that I hadn't, I didn't have any guilt attached to it. I didn't have, do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, it it was like, there's no, there's no weight on it. It's totally, Mm -hmm. it's totally a clean, a clean space of sadness. It's just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's sad yet peaceful. Yes. Yes.
1: And I think learning to live with those types of, um, opposite kinds of emotions sometimes is a a new thing for some people. I mean, you think about when a little kid, you know, when one of my kids would fall down and they'd scrape their knee and you'd look at it and you'd say, oh yeah, you scraped your knee. Um, Are you okay? I'm, I'm okay. Right. It takes them out of this tragedy that just happened. Not that they shouldn't have the right to feel that it hurts and so forth, but it takes them away from the, gives them an idea that yeah, I can be hurt and I can still be okay, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there are times in complex psychological and intense um, experiences where that can happen for people until they have really um, uh, help um, to get from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I value that as well. It's not just to say that everyone can take an experience that was traumatic to them and do that with it.
0: I think that I think that talking about it definitely helps and that's where you and I uh, you know you and I show up in the world for those people who just need to talk about it and they need a safe space to be able to talk about it without being judged you know because sometimes you talk to somebody you can talk to your best friend and you know they're they 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 love you and they want to help you and they tell you things and then they make they say do this and do that and go there. It, it's coming from love, but you know, yeah. it's about processing it so not adding shit in the space. It's about let's look at what's in the space and let's just feel the feelings mm-hmm. and then let's release.
1: Yeah. And and, and grief is the most interesting phenomena that exists. And one of the th- discoveries, even in writing this book so many years later, this old children's book that I wrote, the idea of hope and that with grief, if we don't have hope or a, a glimmer of it somewhere, I mean, um, uh, recently I read in um, Renee Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, she talks about hope and she says, hope is air. We can't live without it. And that was uh, resonated with me so much because I realize in so many situations, if we don't have that little glimmer of hope and, it, and hope doesn't mean you doesn't necessarily mean you've attached an expectation to it, but just it's about the possibility of it is an enormous um, it's, while it's not an emotion, it's a response. And so I think that, for me, says so much about the whole process of grieving, and that we are learning new things in the process of grieving and mourning. That learning to live without, learning to live in a new way. The the mourning period of just being confused about where it's all going to land. Where will we? You know, where will it go? What will happen next? That uncertainty that we are so uncomfortable living with Um, and it needs that little bit of hope in there in order to know we we will land okay it will be okay this feeling is okay and i i really think that the idea and that was my point about the story is that it's about finding that hope wherever we can. And as I said, Mother Nature surrounds us by it all the time. People, you know, birds, clouds, rainbows, trees, animals, it doesn't matter. But there are places out there that we are, we have been given that gift um, from Mother Nature to find hope and comfort from it as well. So.
0: Well, Carol, this was a beautiful conversation.
1: Oh, it was. I so enjoyed it. You, it flows, you, you, you're so easy to talk with. So it <laughs> didn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. So before we sign out, just will we'll like, how can people reach you? We'll put it in the, in, in the description, but just say it for, for the people listening.
1: Sure. Um, my email is carol at healingpress.net. Um, and my website for my book is healingpress.net. Um, my practice, my cancer coaching practice is in the spirit of healing.net. So um the combination of my work, um, I'm slowly in the process of combining these things. Um uh my 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 brand, so to speak, is um holistic health, just Carol Heaney Holistic Health. And so the moving towards at this age and stage of my life, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm chronologically aging, but in my heart, my spirit, in all of me, I am so still in this healing world that I feel is what I was put on this planet for no question. Mm-hmm. Um, going right back to the days when I thought I wanted to be a nun and I thought, okay, that had meaning and I've deci- I've deciphered what that is, but truly um, it was profound for me to understand what that really, really meant. So, yes. Yeah, so Carol Heaney, um, car- uh, Carol at healingpress.net or healingpress.net um, and on Facebook, of course, I'm there too and Instagram. So um, Fantastic. find me there.
0: All right. Well, thank you again for accepting my invitation.
1: Oh, so glad I did. It was great to talk with you and I look forward to seeing you in SongShare.
0: Yeah, same here. For everybody else who's listening, I'm going to say, hey, dream it there, do it, live the life you want. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.